The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102-103. We had purple and gold style celebrations at the BAFTAs last weekend thanks to Wexford woman Shirley O'Connor who co-produced the movie Earth Mama that won the 77th British Academy Film Arts Award in the Outstanding Debut category. Shirley and the rest of the Earth Mama team collected the award from David Beckham and Shirley joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us all. Congratulations. Oh, Orla, thank you so much. Yeah, I think we're still, we're still in shock. It oh, was just like... What a week. How month. amazing. Can we get the silly stuff out of the way to start with? David Beckham, what was that like? Well, you know what? He walked out onto the stage and we didn't know that it was our category because they don't okay. really tell you the order or anything. So we were like, oh my God, wow, David Beckham's doing awards. That's pretty <laughs> cool. And then suddenly he started talking and we were like, oh wow, this is our one. Um, so it was amazing. I mean... Afterwards, you know, you just had no idea what to say to him. I think I told him that I had a, I owned a pair of his wife's trousers. I think he was looking at me like I had like two heads. <laughs> but like the nicest man, like very sweet. And unusually for celebrities, taller. <laughs> he is tall. Usually I see them yeah. in person and think, oh, that's quite a small person. No, very tall. Savannah, who's our writer director, is also mm. an ex-athlete. She was a, she was a volleyball player, so she's also very tall so yeah myself and the other Irish producer Maeve were like two two tiny little hobbits beside them <laughs> and tell us about your dress it was gorgeous a really beautiful green yeah do you know what it was a happy coincidence I was having such like I was having such a panic I eventually went into one of these shops where you can get the person to help you so they just went and picked out like a bunch of dresses, brought it over and yeah, tried on a green one. And I was like, well, this is perfect. Little yeah. nod to home. Oh, it was you gorgeous. Looked, you so, really yeah. did look fab. And just what a night for you. And just gorgeous acceptance speeches as well. Earth Malma, I was just watching clips of it there earlier. It really is a, a, a powerful movie. And it was quite apt as well because Samantha Morton um, won the BAFTA Fellowship Award. And she was talking about, you know, Ken Loach and how he um, made movies that really represented her and her life and disenfranchised kids and Earth Mama is that same kind of style of movie isn't it? Yeah absolutely I think um, like Ken Loach was one of um, one of the key inspirations for Savannah who wrote and directed so it was like there was a real amazing synergy to support and getting that award that night and that speech that had everybody in tears and yeah and I think later on they got to um they got to meet and had a really like wonderful conversation which yeah I think really touched everybody that you know just the fact that they got to speak and like actually connect over kind of these issues that are so important to both of them was yeah absolutely wonderful so yeah a bit of kismet there yeah totally could you describe Earth Mama for people who, who might know what it's about yeah, it's a film. It's a film all about um. It's a, a single mom who's who's pregnant with her ter- third child, and two of her kids are in foster care. So the film follows her in the last two weeks of her pregnancy as she's going about her life and trying to figure out how to win her kids back and how to retain control of her family. And it's kind of a movie for all the parents who maybe aren't her imperfect parents, and all the kids out there kind of you know wondering why they have parents that can't parent them perfectly so I think it's kind of it's quite a universal movie and that this person's situation is quite specific but I think you know a lot of people through various different circumstances you know don't have the best shot at, mm-hmm. at parenthood and can't be you know that perfect parent and just does that you know what does that mean and 
and what does that mean for the kids and, and what does that mean for, 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 for families and you know, and who, I, who has the right to be a parent and who doesn't mm-hmm. and all of those kind of ideas are, are And am I right in saying it. the lead actress had never acted before? Yeah, never. She, wow. we found her, we had, um, she, we had an amazing kind of, kind of street casting is one way of describing it, but they don't really just go out on the street. They just do a lot of research. Um, so we had an amazing team who kind of ca- looked to cast people beyond the, the acting pool. They did a lot of research about different types of people in the Bay Area. So Tia is was a musician and we had seen a couple of her music videos and some of her performances and um, she had a real energy about her. But yeah, when she came, she came to her first audition and she was very like stripped back. So they met her in the park. She had no makeup and she was just very, very present and authentic. She had just had a baby. She was training to be a doula. She felt like very connected to the um, to the subject matter. So, you know, we like it just there was kind of no other real option for us. Like we saw some incredible actors who were just, you know, would be amazing in so many things. But I mean, just the nature of this role, having that person who just felt so authentic to the place and, and, and the subject matter just was, you know, way more important than kind of having a name involved. Mm-hmm. And where do you come in in this process then as the co-producer? Are you at that stage where you're on that kind of guerrilla style auditions or where do you come in? Yeah, well, we, um, so May, myself and another Irish producer, mm. Maeve Reardon, Maeve runs a company called Academy in in London and um, they represented Savannah for music videos, commercials, that sort of thing. So she had shared the script with Maeve and I've been working with Maeve on a couple of other developing a couple of other film projects so yeah we we were on it from quite an early stage you know um developing the script for like a year or two raising financing you know pre-production production so yeah it was kind of quite a long um it's quite I mean it's not a long process in terms of how long some films take Mm -hmm. but yeah it was probably probably three years from start to finish and then yourself Shirley what did you do in college like how did this all start for you um, from the beginning of life in Carrigumbano in County Wexford well, yeah I ended up doing um, I went to like a, a course in DIT called Media Arts okay. which I actually don't know if it's still going which was sort of like art TV mm-hmm. film like a little bit of everything French and it's quite a small course actually there was like 25 or 30 of us but we're all still friends like we meet up every Christmas but it was like a real mixed bag of all the kind of different parts of media you could get into and then after that I kind of just fell into you know a particular production company doing the photocopying and just sort of worked on it up from there and then kind of seven or eight years later moved to London to do a course in NFTS in like script development to try and um, you know just get further along on the film side of things um, and then I've been in London since then yeah trying to doing a mix of development and kind of short form projects and yeah, then finally making this first feature. Wow. So this is your this is the first feature that you've been involved in? Yes, wow. exactly. So that was our year. That's why we got the award, because it was for best debut. Basically, OK, for, for everyone. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And great celebrations in Caracombano, were they on the night? Uh, yeah, well, actually, my all my family got to My mum held a little party okay. with all my aunts and uncles and cousins and all sorts, which I was like, oh, that's mad. Don't do that. But and then they were very glad they did <laughs> when we won. So I presume you did all the FaceTiming and everything afterwards. Well, do you know what? We literally, like, because it happens a couple of hours before. So by the time like they were watching it and everything, we were in some, like, 
basement having dinner so I, was basically, I think I managed to FaceTime them all at like 10 30 at night when we eventually got out of the Royal Festival okay. but yeah so it was mad a lot of exchanging of videos and photos that's oh, for sure I can imagine and you know there's so much talk about how well the Irish are doing um in the film production ski uh, scenes so there must have been lots of recognizable voices and faces was there yeah do you know what like one of the producers from Element like came to find oh, us afterwards to say like well done which was so nice of him I'm sure he had a million things to do like did not need to do that um Andrew and Ed I'd met previously the night before he was trying to like introduce me to Paul Mescal because they're just like such lovely generous producers who want like you know to like build up everybody else which is just super nice and then yeah you couldn't move for like Irish celebrities everywhere mad everywhere you looked there's like an Andrew Scott or yeah, a Killian Murphy or nice. it's just amazing to see yeah so of cool. course and Element did so well of course for poor things too it was just a really great night it must have been a really fabulous to experience it all in real time and lots of celebrations are, are you still celebrating or is it all starting to die down now I think just about all starting to die down. We have the we have the Indie Spirits Awards in Los Angeles this weekend. So you never know. Maybe we'll have another celebration. But I think we're so overwhelmed by everything that's happened. Like, I mean, it just couldn't get any better. And has it started so, a conversation about Earth Mama and where it can be distributed to and where other cinemas that it can be seen in? Yeah, I think, do you know what? That's been actually the most wonderful thing about it is that now so many people have been kind of seeking out the movie to try and see it. So it's now available to rent or buy on kind of most streaming services like okay, your right. Google, your Amazon, your any any of the typical ones where you can rent or buy movies, iTunes, etc. So, yeah. Good stuff. Give it a go. Yeah, exactly. If you want to search for Earth Mommy, you'll see the ways that you it can rent it on online. It is distributed by A24 and they have brought us some mammoth movies as well, like the, the Ladybirds and the Everything Everywhere All at Once. So you're in good company in that sense as well. Yeah, that is for sure. Very blessed. Well, listen, congratulations. It's good to see. You could have done a purple and gold dress, but I'll give you the green dress. I know. Well, I was there was a dub with me. Do you know what I mean? Like we... <laughs> I purple and gold is the best colours when it comes to dresses. So I'll give you the green. It's just, it's just hard to find. <laughs> Definitely. Well, congratulations, Shirley. It was so lovely to talk to you. And I'm sure we'll chat to you again as your career goes up and up. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for talking to me. That was... The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102-103. And my next guest is an author, a Guinness World Record holder. In fact, she's one of the world's most experienced extreme swimmers. Nuala Moore gave a talk at the Luke Wadding Library at SETU Waterford during the week on her inspiring journey and how to stay safe in the open water. And since we have a number of coastal counties here in the southeast, we thought it'd be great to have Nuala in this morning to tell us more about her life and how she keeps herself safe in those salty waters around the world from Russia to what have you Bering done straight to China to Finland to everywhere yeah wow. I've, I've travelled quite a bit yeah so it'd be lovely to cover some of them so thank you very much for having me and you're very welcome to the Sunday Grail and to the, the southeast. southeast have you seen any, any of the seas here on your trip yet are they different to your um, home village or town of Dingle yeah, well it's interesting because when we swam around Ireland Obviously, we swam past here. So mm-hmm. it was a wonderful experience turning Tusker. Oh, yes. And it was fascinating. The waters on the Wicklow side. Yeah. And then turning Tusker and then hitting the water here off southern 
So they're in the southeast coast. And what coast. was the difference? Well, the difference is coming down the east coast, um, when we swam around Ireland in 2006, there was there were six main swimmers and we started in Donegal and our first port of call was Downings. Oh, and I yes. believe you have I a connection there as well. well. Yeah. So from Downings, then we headed north down the east coast. But the east coast water between Ireland and the UK is quite fast running because mm-hmm. the two countries are very close together. Okay. And then as we headed south past Wicklow and then Wexford and then turning Tusker, uh-huh. suddenly all the water is running now north south. Okay. But we're heading west. Uh-huh. So harder. So it's bigger and there's a huge I suppose three bodies of water meeting. Mm-hmm. You have the Irish Sea, you have the Celtic Sea, you have the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So in our case, we got up to eight knots coming to- towards Tusker. So when you were just a body in the water, our arms and legs, my arms and legs were moving much quicker than my than my um, than I could actually. Mm. I was just rotating so fast. And how so far water, out are you? Like, are you visible on the shore or? No. You're not. No, no, no. Well, we have a team with us. It was yeah. it, we were swimming around Ireland, so we had three main boats with us mm-hmm. um, and a command boat. So on the east coast, we were not too far offshore, maybe three, four miles. But then, as we turned the south coast, we were up to fourteen miles offshore because it's cleaner water. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you're not being pushed into the shore all the time. So that round the world, or round sorry, Ireland. round Ireland, <laughs> round the world would be harder. But you've almost done that. Yeah. Round Ireland was 2006. Is yes, that right? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes. And why? Well, how did this all begin for um, you? It's interesting the way things happen. You know, I got I got invited to see if I would be one of the swimmers on the team. And, you know, I love adventure. Mm. And why were you invited? Is this um, something you were well known for? I suppose like anything, you know, there are these invitations that spin out and then people are kind of, I suppose, invited based on your skill sets. Mm-hmm. I would have always been a sea swimmer. I would have okay. always been somebody who was in the sea and always somebody who was able to kind of risk assess and be part of mm-hmm. the sea. The sea for me was a way of life. Okay. So, yeah, I would have been very well suited. Okay. And was that the first big feat you did in 2006 around um, Ireland? Yeah, well, probably. I mean, when you look at it, it's 1,300, 1,500 kilometres as such, back to back, but it was 56 days. And when you're looking at that type of a swim, um, it pushed out into two, three, four, five, six weeks. And then from there, then you develop skill sets. So adventure was always my passion. Always your passion. Yeah. And how how else does that manifest itself apart from sea swimming? Like, would you be someone who would have done triathlons, for example, or, yeah. you know, adventure races and things yeah. like that? Yeah, it's interesting because even though I, I wrote my book Limitless, as we as we mentioned, the first four chapters are about triathlon. Okay. Um, because I came down in 2002 to Kinsale to do the King of the Hill triathlon. Mm. And I was always kind of very confident in my abilities. I was a super swimmer. Um, a really good cyclist because we cycle around the way carry all the time and around uh, Slayhead. But I was a really bad runner and I thought, oh yeah, I rocked this out of the park. Got down to the King of the Hill, 128 finely tuned athletes and I just couldn't figure it out. And I thought like, oh my God. So I entered the event. Um, I couldn't figure out why 128 people were trying to swim around the same marker boy. Mm. I mean, foreign in my world, hadn't figured that out. And then when I actually got out of the water, I, I couldn't figure out how to change, couldn't get on the mm. bike. I didn't have any of these theories because it was 20, 22 years ago. And I remember finishing the event feeling so despondent about how I felt about myself. And I thought up to that point how brilliant I was. And then suddenly... And naturally brilliant, it sounds like. Yeah. Like not a training thing. Oh, no, I just loved being yeah. part of things. Mm. Like, I just think like, you know, what else would you be doing for the day? Mm. I never viewed anything as racing. Medals are two euros, knock yourself out. So I just felt at the end of that event that I didn't fit into that competitive world. So my response was to come home to Dingle and set up my own triathlons. 
Um, And for the first few years, I really focused on the people who are finishing last. Because, you know, until you can figure out how to race, not everyone is born to race. Mm. So like I I would try to explain to people how to get from the swim to the bike, Mm. how to get from the bike to the run, how to train to be more efficient. Yeah, I did a triathlon once and all those things that you're talking about yeah. really resonate with me. That whole taking off your wetsuit oh and trying gosh. to get on the bike then. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even that feeling, I think I came second last. Yeah. And it's a really desperate feeling in many ways. And someone does have to come second last. No, I appreciate all of that. But it's interesting. I never it never bothered me how other people viewed me. It bothered oh, me how yeah, I viewed I myself. Yeah. Because yeah. I never viewed myself as last okay. or second last. Yeah, and what a good mindset to have. Uh, and Well, I don't think anyone does. I think we all back ourselves secretly because mm. mm. we wouldn't rock up. Um, but I think sometimes it's that judgment and how we view ourselves. And some, so my main thing then for the following years was to bring some of the really super athletes into the event so that people like me and people like you and people like others could view how normal they are. Mm. And if you can see them as normal, maybe you can get to their position mm. and just pick up efficiencies and stuff like that. And yeah, that's a very judgment. different way of thinking about it yeah. rather than thinking of them as super. But they're not. Yeah. And that's why, like, over the years, then, I mean, I would organize swimming events and I like my whole thing was put the strong people at the back. So to allow the people who are weaker in the middle mm-hmm. to get to the end. Mm-hmm. OK. Because ultimately, a lot of people have a fear of open water. Um, going into the safer swimming and which I spoke about but if you go into a fear of open water really you're afraid of self-rescue or mm-hmm. fear of judgment so mm-hmm. I think if we can take away fear then maybe people will make better decisions mm-hmm. Now you've two Guinness World Records mm. one for your part in the international relay team that swam from Russia to the USA as you mm-hmm. do Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> on a Wednesday. and you endured on a Wednesday not just freezing cold water but freezing cold swells mm. do you remember those things? Or? Yeah were you scared? You know, um, I think fear, again, I've I've worked really hard in my life to take fear out because fear is an emotion. And I think if you can work things down to being minutia and, and understand the, the small things in the events, like you're technically, you, your fear is sometimes that you may not be able to get yourself out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So we always worked on being prepared and planning and, and understanding the risks and stuff like that. I mean, being invited to swim from Russia to America, a bit like swimming around Ireland, it was about the adventure. It was about the concept who gets to lower their body into the Bering Strait. It wasn't about the risk of being in the Bering Strait. It was about having the privilege of saying, you know, three o'clock in the morning in freezing mountainous waters, I got to let go. I got to trust myself and my team. There were crazy moments. There were moments that you wonder, like, you know, if you can hold on strong enough for the next 45 minutes, then I'll be okay. And that's all you could focus on is in the next 15 minutes and the next 30 minutes, because that's really all that mattered. And, and then, that's that minutia that you're talking about as well. But that's bringing it down to there. Yeah. And then, you you know, you can't then bring it out. So it is that sense of mm. survival. And there's something beautiful mm. in there as yeah. well. It's that what people talk about when they're terrified of things. Uh, I'm right here right now grounding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you live your life? You're, you're um, no, I'm a planner. Those? No, I okay. am a planner. Yeah, I love, I love. It's interesting because over the years and especially in 2013, I um, I became the first Irish swimmer to swim a thousand metres at zero inside the Arctic Circle in my togs, 20, 23 minutes at zero. Um, and the thing was... What, that can you just explain that now for people who mightn't understand mm. how cold that is? Like, what is, what is that? Like, do you have... The booties on or just no. the togs? Nothing, no. no gloves, no booties. No. Do you dive in? No. You just ease your way yeah. in yeah. and what control your breathing? Yeah, you and do. In 2012, I was invited to Siberia, as you do. And I got to experience zero degrees and they're... Vroom, 
they're opening up the chainsaws and I talk about it in my book and you lower your body in and that was like the first time you mean opening up the chainsaws to, get, to dig a hole for you yeah, in, the, okay. in the ice yeah yeah and the thing about it is, bet you feel really inadequate right now. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a bit. little, just a tad. Um, I'm not going to have that sausage sandwich no, I was thinking about. No, do, do, because it'll help. <laughs> well, true. So basically, I remember getting into that and thinking, oh my God, I can, because my previous swim to that was 26 kilometres across Lake Zurich. So getting in to swim a kilometre was nothing. Who gets out of bed to swim a kilometre? And I remember going down the steps of the ladder and zero degrees was like, <gasps> and it took my breath away. Of course. And I remember that feeling of like, I can't. And that's what excited me is the fact that like, I never panic. I never, like, I never get pushed back. Mm. And it was that fact that something was challenging me within that space. So at the time, only two other women in the world had completed a thousand at zero and very few people. Um, And I remember coming home thinking, you know, I couldn't do it then, but I could. So I sit down with a cup of tea and a pen and paper at night trying to figure out, well, what stopped me succeeding? Um, and yeah, and over a period of eight weeks, I would swim an extra little minute every second time. In that? Well, up in the lakes and the mountains. Okay. Wow. And I would train to breathe, train to control, okay. train to be stronger. And then six Can we weeks talk later, about water safety now that you say yeah. that? Because I think I did a little bit of the usual pandemic sea swimming, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that really, the last time I did it was like February of maybe this time last year or two yeah, years yeah. ago. And I swam in a part of Waterford here that you, you get into the water, mm-hmm. you're out of your depth straight away. Yeah, yeah. And it took my breath away. Yeah, yeah. And it made me very scared. Mm. And I often think about people who are swimming in that cold water and maybe don't have the knowledge. Mm. What are the things that you would say to people who are doing that level of winter swimming? Well, you see, it's interesting that you said the cold shock took your breath away and you got scared because that's what happened to me in 2012 Mm. until I understood it because cold shock takes your breath away Mm. but it's nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. It's, It's actually a mechanical response. So it's your body's response to being cold, that cold shock. And strangely enough, if you can just go in and endure the cold shock, there is absolute evidence that it actually manufactures these um, oh, proteins will, in the brain. Will, will no, no, okay. no, 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 no. We're moved. This it reduces inflammation in the brain by producing these proteins, and in doing that, it contributes to benefits towards the prevention of dementia and mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And there are studies in that. Okay. So, uh, but you have to be in cold water. Yeah. Now on that, if you can just endure the cold shock, it passes after three minutes. Okay. Okay. So there's nothing to fear. When you're talking about going into beaches, and I know we had the discussion mm-hmm. earlier about people going in and not understanding the tides. When you go into water that you're unfamiliar, in cold, in times of cold, you have a very limited time in that water where you can function. Mm. And it is really important that you don't waste any, I suppose, unnecessary energy Mm. because when you get cold, your arms and legs get weaker by nature of the fact that they're cold. Okay. So when you lose power, if you're too far from shore, you may not be able to get back. Okay. So it is really important that one, you plan your swim by planning the time, say Mm -hmm. I'm going in for three minutes or five minutes, you stay within an area that you have a clear exit or you figure out your exit point so you don't get in if you can't get out. Okay. Okay. And those type of things because being familiar with your area is so, so important, Mm. especially in coastal areas. Totally. Um, I could talk to you all day. We have to talk about your book really quickly before you go because it has the most, from our last 10 minutes, it has the most apt title of a book that I have heard of in a long time and it is called Limitless. And by Nula Moore, um, just 
give us a quick, give us the, the PR blurb there, Nuala. Yeah, do you know what? I wanted to write a book because in 2017 and 18, I felt myself drifting back into my own world. And I thought, you know what? With the way the world has gone, my history is disappearing. And I felt I was going backwards. And I think one of the most important things that we have is one, a duty care to ourselves and to own our swagger and to be very comfortable in who we are and what we have brought to the table. So I wanted to put in paper and put in ink my challenge is because it's not a book about succeeding and failing. It's about redefining our limits. Because for me, turning the key in the door was one of the greatest challenges I had coming home and reconciling what it took to do what I did. But also having, I suppose, the bravery and strength and control to let go at times where I was afraid. Well, it's called Limitless. Thank you. It is out in all good bookshops as we speak. It's mm-hmm. published by Gill. Um, thank you so much for talking to us. You're very welcome. A really interesting conversation. It's. It, I have a lot of people who come in and tell me about their mm. feats and what mm. they've done, but I don't think they study it as much as you've yeah. done. You know, yeah. and it's very thank interesting you. to hear someone to study and to come out with lessons after all the different yeah. world records that you've he achieved and all that swimming. Isn't that what they say? There you are. Well, Nuala Moore, thank you so much for You're talking to me on the Sunday Grill this morning. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102-103. It's Beat 102-103 on this Sunday morning and this day week the biggest wedding expo is back. It is Beat's wedding day and it takes place next Sunday, March 3rd in the Hub in Kilkenny. Doors open at 12pm so just over a week and a couple of hours to go for our chief wedding day planner Siobhan Flynn who joins me on the phone this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Orla. How are you? I'm very good. You are, you're kind of one of those people who's in the loop of weddings all the time. You know, when people get married and say, when the day is over, they're kind of like, what now? You're almost living the dream of constant wedding preparations. Absolutely. That's me. I'm living the dream for couples across the southeast, rolling on year on year. So we're back with a bang. We are back in the hub, Kilkenny, which is fantastic. It was 2020 was our last time in Kilkenny. Okay. uh, Just before the lockdown, the week of the lockdown. And uh, it was a fantastic show. So now we're back with a bang to Kilkenny again. And, you know, it's great because it's within a distance for each of our listeners as well. You know, it's like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. from each county. From all of the counties. Kilkenny, which is fantastic. Yeah, from all of our counties. How would you describe the wedding day for people who haven't been there before? I describe it as a one-stop shop. Um, It definitely uh, gives an opportunity uh, to couples to come in and browse to get discounts on the day if they're ready to book. It gives them an opportunity to look at several different types of venues. So, you know, if they were thinking of kind of like a resort venue, that's there. But if they were thinking about something that's maybe more in a town and a bigger hotel, that's there too. Uh, A full array of uh, vintage cars and limos. And uh, this year we have a magician as well. So there's so many offerings, but also, you know, it can be hard making appointments at all of these places Mm -hmm. and walking in and you kind of feel nearly under pressure. I think once you're in with somebody, maybe to to book, Mm -hmm. whereas on the day, you can browse a full array of venues, of cake companies, uh, of bridal dresses, you know, so it gives you a lovely sample of, what, of what's there. Yeah, and I suppose couples are, especially uh, uh, the female element of the couples, are usually uh, more stressed when they're going to places. So it's lovely, as you said, to browse. And it's a real Irish thing to almost book when you're there so you don't seem like you're a bad person just walking away. So it's nice to have that ability to go and look and walk away. We're talking 
like we have stands for things that are even weeks before the wedding, aren't we? So we're we're talking about everything that happens on the run up to a wedding is there at the wedding day. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you have everything from your invitations, which obviously nearly are the first thing maybe to go out mm-hmm. or save the date uh, for people who are very organized. Um, uh, your suit hire um, or suits to buy, you know, dress suits. Mm-hmm. Um, you have obviously the wedding dress is a huge our wedding suit is a huge thing. And you'll be having uh, the have, catwalk again this year, will you? We have two fashion shows. Right. One at one thirty and one at three thirty. We have my dress bridal wear from Tipperary. Yeah, from Carrie We have Shore. a fabulous uh, new offering. Uh, it's the next chapter, and her, Rebecca's stuff is absolutely fabulous. It's kind of suits, um, a little bit different, a little bit edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a uh, detail menswear. Uh, they're based in Carlow and Kilkenny. They will have suits and suits on show and suits in the fashion show as well. Uh, we have Garage Monkey. Again, this is for, uh, she does some beautiful um, silk robes. Oh, fab. For Yeah, really nice. Uh, for, let's say for the hen, if you're going away, let's say to a hen and you all want to have uh-huh. your, your dressing gown. Uh-huh. The morning breakfast. Lovely. Uh, and a real keepsake as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they do. She does them for grooms as well. The silk dressing gowns. That's so um, and lovely PJs. So that's there as well. We have some beautiful um, millinery from Izzy Zabello. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful headpieces as well. And we're going to have some fabulous Irish dancing troupe on as well. Fab. Bit of entertainment. I am not even yeah. getting married and I want to go to the wedding day just to browse all that beauty. <laughs> I want beauty. to go and eat the cake. Or yeah. That's why I'm going. I want to try on We've... the silk robes, Siobhan, to tell you the truth. I think I'd be happy out in a robe. Listen, thanks a million for talking to me. It's this day week, the 3rd of March. Doors open at 12 o'clock. It's on for five hours, 12 until 5 p.m. You can get tickets on Eventbrite, but you should really go to our website. It's beat102103.com and check out more details there. And speaking of Irish dancing, we are now going to talk to one quarter of Magic Feet Dance Troupe who are going to be at the wedding day on the day and Libby is on the line to talk to us now. Tell me a little bit about Magic Feet Dance Troupe. When did you start? Um, so we started back at the end of um, January and we're a group of four, four girls. Um, we're all from the same Irish dancing school and we've been dancing together for many years and we were asked to dance at a 100th birthday long mm-hmm. before Magic Feet was actually set up and then we all came up with the idea why don't we start a dance troupe and like dance for weddings and parties and different events so here we are now about nearly two months in wow. so and it's yeah. all going well for you yeah it is there's a lot of hard work towards it but we have fun while making up the steps and all of that kind of thing and tell me what dance school are you with we're with the Paris School of Irish Dance in County Wexford in County Wexford and how long have you all all been dancing like since we we're little kids or um yeah most of us I think we all started when we were around four or five I've been dancing for 14 years oh. um another girl has been dancing for 25 years and I'm not sure about the other girls but definitely since they're about four or five and what are you thinking when it comes to weddings and stuff like that? So what sort of music are, are you going to dance to or, or will the couple decide the music? How, how is it going to work? 
Yeah, so we're going to give the option um, for different music. So like, say if a certain couple wanted a certain song, we can try our best to make up a routine to that. Mm -hmm. We can also mash up a load of different songs together and give them the option of having a few different songs. Or we can dance to traditional Irish dance and music, which is also quite nice. So we do give the option. Now, you're going to be at the wedding day at the Hub in Kilkenny next Sunday and you're going to be doing a performance. Yeah, we are. So we have actually, we're dancing to modern music at the wedding fair. So we have about, I think it's 12 or 13 different um, songs mashed together in total. Okay. So um, we've been working really Some of those songs, what could we expect? Um, you could expect uh, Loving On Me by Jack Harlow okay. or um, The Galway Girl by Sharon Shannon. Um, there's a bit of Eminem in there as well. Wow, so a so real mix. There's a real mix, yeah. So something really different for weddings, um, a four-dancer troupe coming and dancing during the reception. Yeah, so we can dance like whenever the couple want at the wedding so um yeah we're just gonna give a performance and something different I suppose yeah good stuff sounds great well if you want to see Magic Feet Dance Troupe at the Hub in Kilkenny and see what they do um, you can check it out at the wedding day which is on next Sunday March 3rd and you'll get more details at beat102103.com Libby thanks a million for talking to me where can people get more details about Magic Feet if they want to check it out um, so we have both an Instagram and a Facebook account and you can find us at Magic Feet Irish Dancing Troupe um, on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email us with inquiries and that is Magic Feet Irish Dance Troupe at gmail.com. Lovely stuff. But if you want to see the girls in person and see what their decades of experience brings to the stage at the Hub in Kilkenny for Beat 102 and 03's wedding day, well then if you go to our website beat102and03.com you'll get more details and you can book there as well. March 3rd is the date for your diary and doors open at the Hub in Kilkenny at 12 o'clock. Libby, best of luck with everything and enjoy being at the wedding day as well. I'm sure there'll be loads of things to taste and try. So enjoy doing all yeah. that as well. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102-103. He's the man of the moment. I'm not talking about Brian Griffin and he likes to hang out half naked on sofas in Manhattan. That was just my chance to talk. No, sorry. <laughs> I know you've done that. Yeah. That was just my chance to talk about Jeremy Allen White and his absolute beauty. What a stunner. Uh, he does star along. Are you jealous? You, I, th- I thought you were going to look at you. Speaking of stunners, we have Brian here. <laughs> Speaking of stunners, <laughs> Brian Griffin joins us this morning on oh the Sunday God. Grill. Thank he you. joins the realms of Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White in the Iron Claw. He's not in the Iron Claw. No. But this is a biographical sports drama film. It's written and directed by Sean Durkin. It's about the Von Eriks. They're a family of professional wrestlers who are cursed by constant tragedy. And I love the sound of this. Almost as much as I love Jeremy Allen White. You love the sound of a family cursed by constant tragedy? I love tragedy. these sort of biographical... <laughs> remember there was a whole spate of them about 10 years ago. There was one about a wrestler. The wrestler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The wrestler. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. No, I, I'm I'm a sucker for a, a biopic about someone I've never heard of. Yeah, me too. Um, like one of my favourite movies of all time, A Few Dial and Stupid Gesture, about uh-huh. Doug Kenny. Doug uh-huh. Kenny, yeah, from um, 
who did National Lampoon. Yes, that is such a great little and, movie. You uh, suggested that to me and I loved it. Yeah, uh, Dolomite. Uh, my name is Dolomite oh, as well. Oh yes, which was on Netflix. Eddie Murphy, yeah. That's, yeah. They're my go-to Netflix movies. But and like, as you said, these are all people that you'd never really heard never about. Knew, never yeah. like, knew. If you existed. had not known, they were, if you thought they were just pieces of fiction, you would have believed that. Just, yeah, which is mad. Like, you know? mm-hmm. This Iron Claw clip, which we will play now, makes me really want to go see this, which is my <laughs> usual weekly lament. Let's have a listen. Ever since I was a child, People said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing could ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Morning. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Harry, I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life, Kevin Von Eric? More ribs. <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. There you go. That is the Iron Claude is in cinemas now. And it is Brian's movie he went to see before Dune, which he will be back next yeah. week to tell us about. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> Am he I even allowed to say? He's not allowed to review yeah. it this week. But... Tell us about the Iron Claw. So I knew nothing about this going in. So many people knew about the, the Von Erich family. I had zero clue. I genuinely, I didn't even look at the description or the trailer. So as classic me, like, you know. And I went in thinking it was just going to be about these wrestlers that fought, fought all odds to become famous wrestlers. And uh, then the tragedies. And when, like, the feeling's gone, they can't go on. It's tragedy, like, okay. you know. And uh, it's just... Oh my god! It's just nonstop. It's it starts out with this really like it starts out as a classic sports movie, and then just gets it's so heartbreaking. Like oh, really? not depressing, but okay. Well, I suppose it is depressing, but heartbreaking. Do you know? And okay. like honestly, and I, and I've seen a lot of talk about this as well. The fact that it's gotten like zero kind of award recognition mm-hmm. is is kind of insane. Like Zac Efron. Fantastic in it, you know. And is this the film that Af- Zac Efron really changed his physique for, or was that before this? Because he looks so different. He looks, he does look so different. Mm. But, uh, I don't know. Like, I think what happened to me, he was doing some like series for for Tubi or something, okay. and he got bitten by a snake and nearly died. So okay. I think maybe after that, God, I know, like you know, but uh, uh, he's he definitely looks different in this. He definitely still looks like oh, that's Zac Efron, but it's yeah, he definitely does look different. But and where does my Jeremy come in in this? So he's his brother. He doesn't. He's not in it for the first little bit, but basically he's an Olympian mm-hmm. who is is like one of the, uh, USA's best athletes. And this is a one of the things of bad luck that happens uh, the year that he's supposed to compete in the Olympics. America pulls out as a sign of protest against the Soviet Union. Oh, okay. okay. So it's like he he's he is that. an Olympian that doesn't get to partake in the Olympics because of other like external events. And it is like when it's a series of 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 bad luck leading to tragedy, like. The whole thing is about is the curse real or not? And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know. Like, it's insane how much stuff happens. To them. Um, we won't give anything away, but as we said, it is like even looking up their names, you will read about it on Wikipedia, yeah. for example. It is in, in, it, tragic is the only word that you I can would, use I would, I would, I'd say you're better off going in knowing nothing. Okay. Because okay. it's like you don't know, you never know what's happening, but after a while, you're like, oh, please, no. And then. It does. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like okay. it never, that, it never lets what, up. You know, I, I like a 
I like a uh, movie that has a nice ending. Are it, we not getting the ending? Like the ending is is lovely. It's okay. like it's like an enduring human spirit type type movie. Okay. And um, we have two women in this that you'll know quite well. Uh, Maura Tierney that you'll know from Eeyore. She was also in The Affair and uh, lots of other stuff as well. But Lily James is in this too from Downton Abbey. I'm sure she gets sick of people saying she was in Downton Abbey. She really has become a film star in her own right. What are their roles within this? Yeah, so she's she's just essentially um, Zac Efron's Love, love, love life. That is Lily James. That is Lily James. And then Maura Tierney? Maura Tierney is his mom. Okay. So yeah, the the, the 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 whole, like, it's a small cast. It's it's all about basically brotherhood and, okay. and family. And like, it's a small cast that focuses mostly on the family. Uh-huh. And it just does it really well. And like, nice laughs in there at any stage? Um, or can I expect just to be sad the whole way through? There's, there's some like wholesome moments between brothers, I feel like, as far as we go. There's no like knee slap moments especially after like the first 45 minutes okay uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm not excited it'll, it'll be this. it'll be a bit a tad out of place to be fair but uh, no it is it's a genuinely very like entertaining but incredibly sad movie okay and are we talking long middling or just the usual three well, hours that we seem to have come to expect from movies these days it didn't really feel it but it's two hours and twelve minutes wow. so it's like it's not it's not three hours okay but it's it's not exactly like I didn't even notice the time. Like it's it's like it could have been slightly short, but John Doe had come in sometimes and like this could have been a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Like if they wanted to, they could have, but okay. it, it was fine the way it is, I think. Okay, good stuff. Let's black pudding iron claw, please. I would give it like I'm gonna say an eight. Okay. A good score. Me, I'm I'm contemplating a nine, but I'm gonna stick it an eight. Okay. Eight black puddings out of ten for Iron Claw. It is in cinemas as we speak. I am going to take a deep breath before I move on to the next one because I think Iron Claw deserves the time that we give it. Yeah, and the next one. I feel <gasps> like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> on March the 1st, we have Dune 2 coming out with Kylie's boyfriend, <laughs> Timothy Chalmolet. Tom Holland's girlfriend. <laughs> Tom Holland's girlfriend, Zendaya, and Florence Pooh in there as well. I think she's single at the minute. Okay, <laughs> not all about so, relationships. Yeah, um, and there is very much excitement about that. Brian has already been to see it, but she's not allowed to talk about yeah, it. So legally, next week, thumbs up or thumbs down? Well, just, just give me the thumbs up or thumbs down, and we'll say nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always makes for good radio, and nobody can see what we're talking about. In the meantime, it is eight black puddings out of ten for Iron Claw. If you loved the bear, you'll know exactly who Jeremy Allen White is. He is up and coming, or he's probably. Up already. Yeah, he's up. He's, uh... he's up. He's up. Up on a sofa in Manhattan. Getting photos <laughs> taken. Thanks, a million, Brian. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102 103.